Totally true. How'd you like my kind of peppy intro there? And now on with the show. Was that it? Or did you have another and now on with the show? No, I went and now on with the show. Like I I did it kind of more upbeat then. And now on with the show. Because I want people to think that they're going to have a good experience listening to this podcast. We deceive them. Yes, we do. Because it's not going to be good. It's going to be fantastic. Okay, Jason. uh, what, What have you been listening to slash ingesting? Artistically speaking. I don't want to hear about your food. Because you chew very loudly. You just do. It's part of We you had are. these uh, konjac noodles for supper. Not sure if I was a Not big that fan. good. It was like rubber that broke down really easily. Yeah. We had them We had them in Costa Rica at this great little restaurant called Joanna's Cocina Eclectica. Um, and they weren't very good there either. And so I'm not really sure why we bought them to try and recapture that mediocrity. And mom was so thrilled and so eager because of how easy they are. But... Here's, I have two, two words. Angel hair, pasta. Yes. Angel hair, pasta takes like five seconds to make and it's far superior than what we just had, which was, it was kind of weedy. It almost mm-hmm. tasted, pl- it was almost like plant Like something we pulled out of the pond. Yeah. And it's like, like I didn't, did not like the texture no. very much, but what kind of music slash video games slash movies slash books, if you read books, which you don't. I finished American Gods. Yes, you did. This was like this is old. Which music. is a book. <laughs> I finished American Gods a long time ago, which is the Neil Gaiman book. Um, it was really fantastic. It was really fun. I feel like you hyped it up a lot, and I was expecting like a complete masterpiece. It wasn't really a masterpiece, but it was just a really well done book. It really is just like Percy Jackson and the Olympians for adults, but, but it's superbly. That written. is word for word how I pitched it to you. I don't think that I, I think you I don't said think it was the I... best book of all time. I don't think that I said that. I'm pretty sure you said that. I don't recall saying that. You said that. it was like the Bible and then American Gods. I don't remember saying that. But, but I, I told you, it's just it's an incredibly entertaining yarn with much more underneath the surface. And it was, yeah. There are a few... Uh, I feel like there are an abnormal amount of plot holes and stuff like that. But it was kind of a complex narrative, so I guess that's kind of forgivable. We'll we'll speak about the plot holes right. in private because I don't think that right. there are. Okay. Any. Um, and then for music, it's been a lot of the same. It's been the album we're going to talk about today. I've been like hammering the National still a lot. Their debut album and I am easy to find. That which sounds like a negative thing that I'm you're still, hammering them. No, like I'm like the National. Yeah. Okay. Then I've been listening to a lot of like just different '80s music. Tracy Chapman. Um, I don't know, all kinds of 80s stuff. For games, I've been playing this game called Doom, the 2016 version of Doom. Doom initially was released in 93, and it was this landmark first-person shooter. It was really violent. It had a lot of those... um, It had a lot of articles written about it and how it was going to make children murder each other on the streets. It was that kind of game. (laughs) And then there was this remake in 2016 that was done that was widely acclaimed, and I just hadn't got around to playing it yet. So I picked it up on a good deal, playing it on PC, which is the way to go for a game like that. And it's incredibly fun. And it brings to mind the idea, and it would be fun to have a conversation on this sometimes, about different type of art, specifically in games. Because Doom isn't an artistic game in the sense of writing general narrative structure, which is different from writing anything like that. But in terms of the level design and the gameplay... That thing is a piece of art on par with just about anything else you can throw. It's really beautiful. So I've been doing that. 
I mean, that's... A, oh, I watched Stranger Things Season 3. I'd like for us to do an episode on that, maybe. Yeah, we should, because I've also finished it. You did finish it? Yeah, cool. I finished it yesterday. And then I've been going back and re-watching it just whenever I have... Sometimes I have occasion to watch stuff while I'm at work. So I finished the first season again. Is that um, something you should advertise? Yeah, I was talking to you. I was, I was talking you to my boss, watch Andrea. Watch television programs at work while you're being paid. I was talking to my boss, Andrea, today. I, I weigh stuff. I had to weigh a bunch of palm shortening today. So I'm just sitting there spooning it into stuff and, you know, you got nothing else to do. I said to her, like, shoot, I forgot my tablet to watch Netflix. She's like, oh, you can just use one of ours. Like, that seems like too if much If only. Yeah. If I'm going to go to work and I'm going to take a tablet and I'm going to zip tie it to a forklift. There you go. That's a good idea for you. <laughs> But yeah, that's about all. Alrighty. Um, and for myself, since you're not going to ask me that question, um, I've been I've been uh, uh, reading some Batman comics, some Batman comics, kind of as preparation for a novel that I myself am writing, and uh, I found them quite enjoyable. I I don't know. I, it's comic books as a narrative vehicle. I don't really find the uh, attraction there that some people do. Like, some people are nuts about comic books, and I just find them to be, although they're good, although the art in these particular ones, like, I've got The Long Halloween, I've got Year One, some really great uh, Frank Miller back Batman comics, which are acknowledged as some of the greatest graphic novels of all time. Uh, I just, I find them lacking a certain narrative heft. I've, they they have this insane quickness of pace, which you get from a comic book. I mean, you're not going to go moment by moment through a story, right? Because that would be that's a flip book mm-hmm. at that point. But they lack a certain narrative gravity that a novel, a traditional novel, has for me. So although I am enjoying them, I don't think that they're ever going to be like up there with some of my favorites. And and uh, truly, I think that the bone yeah. graphic novels are superior to them in almost every way. And I think World of Edina is also superior to them in every single way. Uh, barring maybe, like, I mean, neither of those two have significant amounts of action in them. So maybe barring the uh, some of the drawing in terms of like the action... Uh, sets and that sort of thing but Here's... yeah it's it, it's nonetheless it's been a real eye-opener for me just getting into the world of superheroes from their kind of the seed of the superhero which was of course the comic book mm-hmm. the thing that's bought now this is super reductive and kind of inaccurate but a little bit the but way you're gonna feel... say it anyway yeah it's, well it's a little bit the way i feel about comic books it strikes me in a way as like kind of the worst of both worlds between a movie and a book you know, like it lacks the full descriptive nature of a book. And one thing that I've always said, and many people say, is the strength of the book is it strikes the perfect balance between information and leaving some up to your imagination. But a yeah. comic book fills way more in by showing you what do people look like, what did this, mostly just what do people look like, what did places look like. But then on the other hand, it kind of falls short of a film because you have a much smaller window to view it you don't have movement you don't have as much stylistic stuff you can do in terms of cameras and like i said i get that that's reductive because there's a lot more into the the illustration of a comic book but in general i think that's why it's never grabbed me i think the art of the comic book or the graphic novel is a fascinating concept 
uh, Neil Gaiman actually uh, wrote for a lot of comic books before his novels were kind of published or before he entered that domain and he wrote a series called Sandman which is also very critically acclaimed and regarded as some of the best comic book writing that's been done but of course there's just there's so much comic book writing that's, yeah that's and don't get me wrong i'm sure if i went down the rabbit hole like i don't know anything about uh what are you doing oh i'm just playing with my fingers okay like if you, I could, know... if you could stop doing you that sure? it'd be great okay. yeah it's kind of weird okay and like i don't know anything about <laughs> you know like the art of panel layout and s- stuff like that i'm really ignorant on comic books i've read you know bone and a few others that weird uh one with the animals and they have the house that walks you know which one i'm talking what? about what there's the walking rabbit oh yeah yeah that's a really amulet weird... amulet yeah, actually, that, that's that very kind of, strange kind it's of kind of one. kind of fun but yeah. it's very strange but overall i'm pretty ignorant but that's on a side yeah i mean when they're done well i think they're incredibly evocative and when the art style is just the drawing style in general can contribute so much to the tonality mm-hmm. of the story and I do think it's a really fascinating medium. I just don't think that these Batman comics are the pinnacle of that. They have been very entertaining. Very, like, light. Like, light reading for me. Shout out to Dragon Ball Z for being great graphic novels. Oh, the the, the, action... the original Dragon Ball is so good, too. Yeah. The the original... See, that's like a graphic novel done very well. Maybe I'll, it knows, I'll check one of those out tonight. It, it knows what it's doing and what yeah. it's up to. Anyway, and I've also been, for music, pretty much extensively listening to the album that we will be reviewing today on the Good Ship Brothership. That was a gorgeous segue on my part. Can you, can we acknowledge that? That was pretty good. Jason's now doing spastic dance to the uh, all-important theme song. You know, I always think we're going to end up recording these earlier than we do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now 10.23. On a Tuesday. On a Tuesday night, and we were just starting this. (laughs) I honestly can't believe we stuck to this theme. I was just thinking... You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership. It is the only podcast that covers film, music, gaming, literature, and involuntary rectal spasms. I'm one of the brothers, Jason. And I'm the other brother, Grant. You also forgot to mention that we're an arts podcast, specifically. Not that if, you, if you've gotten this far and you don't... And, and you if think it's film, that, music, gaming, literature, what are we going to be? A yeah, but I don't know. Podcast? I like the flow of... It's Welcome the only arts talk. podcast that blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we're not chump talk. They're bitter competition. They take away a lot of our listenership who you guys. who would be listening for the occasional Kelly Gruber reference I make. Oh, at work today. <laughs> France is really good. At work today I, I took one of my coworkers' hats, which had a Blue Jays logo on it, and put it on, and I turned to one of my other coworkers who is a big sports fan, as are pretty much everybody I work with, massive sports fans with in depth knowledge of teams and the histories and stuff. And personally I know nothing about sports i couldn't give a rip about sports i've tried to feign interest in it and i fail spectacularly every every time and i said hey look chico i'm a blue jays fan and he's like oh yeah what sport do they play you know jokingly and i play dumb a lot and uh i was like baseball he's like very good 
and, I, and then I just was like, I'm gonna whip one. I'm gonna whip out a stunner just to just to make them all shut up about my knowledge of sports for a bit. And I was like, know who their best pitcher in the '90s was? And he's like, who? I was like, Kelly Gruber. And one of the other guys like, holy cow! <laughs> and I literally only know that because for some weird reason, as a child, I had like a small collection of like sports cards. I remember the Kelly Gruber. And card. I had a Kelly Gruber card from. Uh, from from that era and yeah. he was a phenomenal pitcher and i just pulled that completely right i have absolutely no idea why i've stored that information in my brain but i did and it came in handy today because i completely bowled them all over i still have a i still have a maple leaps a maple maple leaps maple leaps that's their uh jumping team their pole vaulting team their jumping team <laughs> pole vaulting <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, what are we talking about today? Okay, Jason, today we're talking about the Rack on Tour's newest album, Help Us Stranger. You like came I was going to go on about the Maple Leafs and I just decided I'm to cut so it off. I'm so glad that you cut it off. Yeah. It came out uh, quite a long time ago, actually, almost a month ago. It came out June 21st of this year. And we've been really slacking in recording uh, episodes, and so this this is probably going to go up even later than that. We're planning a road on. trip. You're getting married. I'm going to school. We've it's, got a lot going on. Yeah, it's been. It's been hectic, which, you know, and I do plan, once I'm married and out of the house, we have to plan to still do you, this podcast. Well, if we get together weekly, yeah. and once is research, once is recording, then yeah. it's a good excuse. I think it'll it. be marvelous. Yeah. Um, so, it might even assist in the regularity of this podcast. Maybe. Uh, just from an intentional standpoint. Anyway, Help a Stranger is the third studio album by the American rock band The Rack on Tours. It was released, as I said, June 12th of this year. 21st. Through, yep, 21st. My dyslexia just kicked. Through Third Man Records, their first studio album in 11 years following mm-hmm. Consolers of the Lonely in 2008. The album was recorded at Third Man Studios in Nashville, Tennessee, and mixed at Blackbird Studios in Nashville. It was produced by the band, engineered by Joshua V. Smith, and mixed by Vance Powell. Um, I think that that's pretty much everything. Oh, here we go. Help a Stranger debuted at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 with 88,000 album equivalent units, of which 84 were pure album sales. I don't really know what that means. It was the Rack on Tour's first four thousand. Okay, it was the Rack on Tour's first U.S. number one album. The next week, it fell to number 45, becoming the eighth largest drop from number one on the charts. Wow. <laughs> So people were very excited for this album, uh, and the Rack on Tour is definitely a band like pretty much all of Jack White's work with a real tenacious kind of following, but never one that really edged into the mainstream very much, with the exception of like White Stripes. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody's heard like everybody. Yeah, everybody's heard Seven Nation Army and. Oh, Seven Nation Army. Yeah, but but no, seriously, Seven Nation Army is like one of the biggest songs of all time. I would say. But the the uh, proportion of people who know of him to people who are like know him is really uh, quite remarkable. You know, everyone knows who he is, but I feel like his actual fan base is small relative to the amount of people who Absolutely. are aware of him. Okay, so we've been we've been listening to this album pretty extensively. This is I feel more prepared actually for this episode than I did for the Nationals episode. I straight up didn't even make notes because I've listened to this album like twenty times. Wow, well, amazing! So I use my mind. So 
everybody listening, if Jason sounds incredibly meandering and not well put together, you know why. Let me take you back to my childhood. No, let's flip the puppet instead and we'll figure out who goes first. How are you feeling? Fine, I don't want to go first. I mean, do you feel... How are you feeling? Oh, I thought you were like taking a shot like you're not prepared. I was like, it's fine. I feel (laughs) face up. Okay, I feel face up as well, but I'll be face down for argument's sake because I'm always tired. Okay. (laughs) Okay, that's face down. That's me, everybody. Alrighty, here we go. Let me flip over my... Only 17 minutes if my typewriter sheet of paper. We do lots of stuff. We actually review many things on one podcast. Okay, um, I'll do my review now. (laughs) I was really expecting some kind of input from you. That's how podcasting works. You speak to me. What's the episode? I like for you to say something, and then I just stare at you until you say something else. I don't like that at all. We need to record earlier. So my my history with Jack White, I'll just give you a bit of that as I as I often like to do for these things. My my history with Jack White in terms of being a fan and consuming his his output has been fairly lukewarm I would say uh, there are some incredible songs that he's written some really timeless classics one of my favorite songs probably of all time is fell in love with a girl uh, but there was always this aspect of some of his ideas becoming tired you know, like you've got the same guitar tones. You can always rely on Jack White to deliver some really fuzzed out, spitty guitar solo. In four notes in increments. four note increments throughout a song. Like you can always rely on him to bring you that. Uh, I did have one memory of the White Stripes that I wanted to include. And that was when I was working my old job, which is kind of like a janitorial sort of thing. And I was setting up this big arena for a uh for a i think it was a canada day or a remembrance day one of the two anyway they had like 200 or so chairs set out and i had to stack the chairs and cart them away into this little back room and uh i whipped out my old ipod my very old ipod i don't think anybody uses ipods anymore I, still, I I would love to see they what still the, make them, but they only update them like every three four years. Yeah, there's no point anymore. Everybody really. just uses their phones. I'm gonna anyway, go outside and blow my nose. I whipped out my very old iPod and I put on uh, the White Stripes. Day still is how I'm gonna pronounce it. I have no idea. It's D E uh, space S T I J L, I believe. And uh, I put on that album and I was just uh, I was just moving chairs and listening to it. And something about it in that moment really struck me. And that, that album will always be associated with that specific afternoon of my life. And something about it just really appealed to me in that moment. The textures in the that White Stripes album and the songwriting kind of knowingly campy and really fun and uh, raunchy. And... Uh, and I really connected with that album specifically in that moment. I I got then, as the years went on, and Jack White started releasing his solo stuff, I did become fatigued by that. I found those albums to be kind of overburdened with instrumentation, and the songwriting 
felt kind of bland, and he just seemed to be running dry on ideas. Especially, we reviewed Boarding House Reach, which was his most recent solo album last year, and it'd be interesting to go back and hear exactly what you've, we said. Am I cutting off? Yeah, where you've you completely go? severed okay. my train of thought here. Really? Yeah, you totally intersected it. Okay, so I'm, Dude, I was gonna I'm gonna continue doing my review now, as if nothing happened, <coughs> and then excuse me. He released his latest studio album, which you may have heard of, called Boarding House Reach. And uh, I felt a little bit of hope from that album. Now, the the album across the board wasn't particularly excellent. I haven't listened to much of it since we reviewed it. But I, I was hopeful. He He seemed excited on this album. Like, he seemed like he had gotten an idea. And he was kind of running with it. He changed things up. He changed up his wardrobe. He changed up his guitars that he was using. He changed up his stage, his band, everything. He came back. It was like he was relaunching. He had his old haircut back. And he seemed very energetic in interviews and in performances. And that really got me kind of excited. Not, you know, for that album as a whole, but for that album as a beginning. And then the Rack on Tours began releasing singles. And the Rock on Tours has been a great stabilizer for Jack White in terms of his style, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of rein him in and keep him rooted more firmly in like rock and roll territory. And he does fewer of these forays off into strangeness. So Sunday Driver was the first single that they released and I heard it and I felt hopeful. And then they released Now That You're Gone. And I heard that, and I felt hopeful. And then they released uh, "Help Me, Help Me, Stranger," I believe. And I heard that, and I was still hopeful. And then they released "Bored and Race," and I was like, "Okay, I'm fine. This is gonna be phenomenal because this song kicks the teeth of the man in." Or yeah, I'm sorry. I completely. I was gonna say that this song kicks ass, and then I censored myself. And then it just kind of went really poorly. So, yeah, the song kicks ass. I don't okay. care. So, uh, and and my fears were melted away hearing that song. I thought, this is phenomenal. This sounds like a classic tune. I love how energetic Jack White sounds. Uh, you know, nothing here is too out to lunch in terms of his guitar work or anything like that, which, you know, we know it can be. Um and uh, and so I was very excited when I dove into the album. And I'm pleased to say, for me, the rest of this album is pretty much a whistle-stop tour, as they say, of some really beautiful and classic sounds. It goes from folk uh, in Only Child uh, to old-school kind of metal in Don't Bother Me, kind of uh, a Black Sabbath vibe. Uh, to sweeping ballads in Some Days I Don't Feel Like Trying. You got alt-rock in Sunday Driver. You got blues in Hey Jip, Dig the Slowness. And you got some funky jams. Some beautifully funky jams in What's Yours Is Mine. And that, uh, What's Yours Is Mine is like the best beat I think I've heard all year. And the moment I heard that, oh my gosh, dude. Hey Jip. When, when the cowbell comes in on What's Yours Is Mine, I'm just like... Like, roll down the windows, crank it up. At a, oh, okay. At a certain good. point, you're going to learn that you can't go, and I'm like, and then act something out in front of the microphone. 
I went, ugh, in the mic, and that's all you need to know. Okay, fine. That's good enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I Also, Hey Jip, Dig the Slowness has a phenomenal drum beat. Yeah, that's a good song, too. Like, really shuffling, kind of. And, uh, and I dug the really richly layered instrumentation of uh of the title title track help me stranger mm-hmm. with the kind of like really funky keyboards almost reminiscent of some of david bowie's funkier stuff and uh and i think it i think it's a very good album of course still we are still battling against jack white's insatiable need to solo in one bar increments and i have a theory a theory that I've teased for you uh, as some deep prophetic wisdom. Just tell me what the theory is. Here's my theory, okay? Jack White, guitarist, as a young man, playing in different bands, very inspired by blues, which is a very heavily phrased kind of soloing normally. But then he meets Meg White, or Meg, whatever her last name was before they formed the White Stripes, and they form a two-piece band. Now... The only way you can solo in a two-piece band and still have any kind of semblance of like a rhythm guitar or a bass instrument is to solo in small fragments and then hit a chord or your root note in between those fragments. And that, I believe, got so embedded in Jack White's brain during those formative years that that is truly the only way he can think to solo now. Maybe that's true. I don't know. That is. I think that's theory. totally... I think that that has to be it. Should go listen to the White Stripe stuff and see if that's what he always does is hits a chord in between his phrases. He does that quite a lot from my from my knowledge of White Stripe stuff. Um, and so there's that, you know, although in some of these solos, it is really interesting to hear him not using just a spitty fuzz tone. He, mm-hmm. That is present here, but there is a song, I can't remember which one it is, that has almost a clean uh blues tone or almost getting towards shooting towards starting off towards like a pink floyd tone with like delays and it could be with delays and it's kind of a throatier guitar tone kind of a warmer tone uh his guitar uh lick in now that you're gone i do find somewhat tiring Uh, the constant uh constant kind of shrieky guitar that kind of is a little too loud in the mix but generally the mixes on this album are phenomenally good uh i think maybe the bass could have a bit more pop it could be be a bit more present in some of these tracks but generally the mix is very good and this this is a band who is playing very well together not to mention these guys are all in their 40s and they're still rocking out like they're in their 20s which i find really admirable really cool all the negatives into consideration, they're just not enough to put me off of the album. I thought I would get tired of the refrain, the ending refrain, and some days I don't feel like trying. But even that, which is just, uh, I'm here right now, I'm not dead yet, kind of repeated over and over and over. And I thought that I would get really tired of that. I thought it would rub after a while. But I truly do find it to be one of the most emotionally true moments of the whole album especially sung by brendan benson who has come through some really heavy drug addiction in his uh in his life and that particular line of that song has always just kind of found me when i need it like even uh this morning as i drove to work and i just had the cd on in my car and that was the track that it 
fell on and I was so tired and so exhausted just from life and doing all these things and working every day outside and and that that line came on as I got on the home stretch coming towards work and I was just belting it out lifted my spirits immediately it is actually a very positive I think reminder uh, to me at least to to stay positive and go you know I am here right now I'm not dead yet you know like you can't you know, life hasn't gotten the final laugh yet for me, uh, or on me rather. Uh, and it's not often, I'll leave you with this. Okay. It is not very often at all that I start an album on the 10th track because the song is so good. It's not often that I learn the words to songs so quickly. Make no mistake. The writing isn't flashy or even that far above average but I think it fits the songs very well and quite frankly I keep singing along okay that was my review very nice is this the part do we do the gabber jabber here or do you mm. want to roll into yours let's we'll do the gabber jabber we do that for the next episode as the intro instead of what we've been playing and stuff no we'll just do the gabber jabber after alright so I guess I want to review this album in context with the Nationals album, which is a very different beast. But right now, it's a two-horse race for album of the year until Alex Cameron's album gets put put out. Dude. Or until we find something else. Because, I mean, usually, Wilco, usually there's at least one Dark Horse album that sneaks up on us that we're like, holy smokes, like Bahamas. Yep. <laughs> like Earth Tones, we didn't find it until like November, and then we were like, easy album of the year. Also, Wilco is putting out an album, and I'm yeah. quite curious to hear it, because I'm not a, a huge options. fan, but they are an amazing band. There's anyway. a lot of good options. But I guess I've just been digging the National so hard, you know, that kind of, they have that signature melancholy sound, but then their new album has such an uplifting tone. It's been like exactly what I've needed, you know? A and warmer so, tone, for sure. Yeah. And so coming in to help a stranger, I just want something that I can... Jam, jam to on my way to and from work. You know, I have 50 minutes a day. I'm in my car, windows down. And this album is so perfect for that. It's perfect for, like, sunny day, barreling down country roads, music cranked. Like, it's perfect driving music. We're going to be using it Dude, so much on our road trip. It's not when you funny. When you get into a car to start driving somewhere and you throw, for me, when you throw the CD into the player and Bored and Raised comes on, it's like, dude, it's the best. It's electric. Yeah. And I was so pleasantly surprised by this album. I've said before, probably not on this podcast, I don't know, that I think Jack White is amazing, but in like controlled doses. I never found any of his three solo albums super compelling. I think each of them have their merits, but I wouldn't say any of them are better than good. My White Stripes experience is kind of limited. Day Still did nothing for me. The album that Seven Nation Army's on is good, but it also never really moved me. Is that White Blood Cells? Yes. Yeah, because that's considered um, one of their best. And I haven't, I've only listened to it a little bit, but it just never grabbed me. But the Raccoon Tour has always had a special place in my heart because it's these other really skilled musicians plus Jack White just kind of shoved in a corner, do your stuff, but you're only one quarter of the equation. And this is, this album is such a perfect example of having just the right amount of Jack White mixed in with quote-unquote regular but amazing music. And I will say too that Jack White is actually phenomenal and you don't see this from many 
like really experienced musicians, the dude is phenomenal at relinquishing his control yes, over absolutely. a project. Like you got a band like the Dead Weather, the dude drums for uh-huh. that band, and he has no control that I can see or hear rather over like say the guitar riffs and stuff like that. Like he mm-hmm. really he is very very good at letting himself be part of a of a sum. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I find that this is quite an uplifting album as well. You know, it's it's not what it says so much as how it says it and how it sounds. And that's something I've said before. There's a place for really dark albums. You know, I like Skeleton Tree by Nick Cave or You Want It Darker by Leonard Cohen. Those are pretty brutal. But in general, I want my music to lift me up. And this album does a great job of that. And I think that it's not super common that you get music this heavy that's super straight up uplifting and i think that they deserve accolades for that for sure the mix i do really like it's very classic but very well done i don't think it holds a candle to something like the national and i wish that it sounded a little bit bigger i get it's apples to oranges but this is a stupid podcast what do you want from me yeah (laughs) um i wish it sounded a little bit bigger at times i think it can sound a little bit closed down and like you said the bass could be bigger But overall, it's still a very good mix. I'm amazed at how trim and how lean this album is. It's like uh, 12 tracks, 41 minutes, pretty standard stuff. I was looking looking while I was compiling my notes. Four of these songs are shorter than three minutes long. Awesome. Crazy. But I don't know, looking over this, I don't think there's a song that I would cut. And that's pretty high praise for 12 tracks no less now i think there's only three or four songs that are like really outstanding but there's such a consistent level of great quality that you don't see very often and i think that the album also does a great job of balancing some track differentiation they really don't all sound the same like you said you have ballads and slightly metal stuff slightly blues stuff and Hey, Jip is more than yeah. slightly blues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yet, it all has this really consistent feel. It feels tight. I don't know how... I don't know how to quantify um, a band sounding really tight and really well-meshed, but this is it. The crazy thing, too, is that they hadn't played together, I assume, in a decade. Yeah, I don't know if they toured in between at all. Or no, I don't think sure. they no. did. I mean, they, they pro- I mean, I assume... So they released an album in 2008, 11 years ago... I assume they toured in support of Consolers of the Lonely, mm-hmm. right? But And also, I didn't know this either, but the first Rack on Tours album was released before the White Stripes broke up. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of an interesting yeah. concurrency there. Yeah, so I don't really know. I don't have too much else to say that you didn't already say. I think it's this phenomenal album. Guitar tone's nice. There's a nice variance there in is. guitar tone, I think. It's really not just the Jack White. And this is what I talked about. When you have other people in the band, I think... He's a smaller part of the equation, and so I get less tired of his shenanigans. I know that most people won't really understand the lingo I'm about to bust out, and I do apologize, but isn't it wonderful to hear Jack White playing guitar, and it sounds punchy and jangly and overdriven, but not super distorted? I just want to say it sounded really condescending, and I feel like everyone can understand that. I guess so. Yeah. I, I just I just fear that people Punchy. will... Punchy. It's got punch, you know? I feel, I fear that people will tire of my fine. All, uber-specific Whatever. guitar Yeah, language. no, but his it's not just this. A lot of times I feel like his tone's a little bit anemic, and 
I guess that's his thing, but I don't know. I just didn't feel it that much. Even like the fuzz in Don't Bother Me is yeah, probably the nice. best sounding fuzz that he's put out. I don't know. Coupled with quite a strong a kick, it's not a problem. Yeah. What what would be some of your what would be you said there's three or four songs on here that you really love what would those be do you think um bored and raised yeah Sunday driver what's yours is mine and we'll throw some days in there although I do think that the bridge gets a little bit long in the tooth for some days it I think it does but then when I'm really into it and I'm going down the road and I'm just belting out I'm here right now I'm not dead yet. I oh. want it to go on for that long. And don't bother me. But what's yours is mine. I start the album there like 80% of the time. That hot beat and like the... Oh, it's like... It's just perfect. What's also, yours is mine is perfect. The way they slow it down going into the at, like end of the chorus and then pick it up again yeah. is just so good. And you have left out Live a Lie, which is one of my favorites. That is a good but one. But everything too. else that you've... Uh, Live a Lie has such a good driving beat. Yeah. Uh, but everything else I think is what you... Like Bored and Raised for me is the marquee of the album not in a not in a negative way but i think it's the best song on the and points album. to them too for having a great opener great closer yep thoughts and prayers is good closing on what's yours is mine would have been powerful too but i don't mind having a track after that just to kind of cool off but the thing is they they do the closing ballad and they do it well uh-huh. which yeah. is not easy to do like i think probably the best recent album i can think of with like an amazing closing ballad would be black star yeah. Which, which, let's be clear, slaughters whoa, this whoa, album. Whoa, whoa, What about uh, Bahamas, Earth Tones, Any Place? That's such a good closer. It is, it's but amazing. I think I think that Dollar Days probably well whoops it around the park a couple Do- times. Black Star is just one of the best albums. Of Dollar the last Days is one of the best songs on that album. Yeah. Anyway, so I guess in closing, then I don't know. I honestly couldn't say if we did album of the year which album I would prefer. I think that my uh, the melancholic optimist inside me will always listen to the national more than like pretty much any other band. I shared that uh, snapshot of my Spotify listening history a few weeks ago, and it was like this album and then just the national yeah. just because that's, I just love them. But at the same time, I find it hard to find flaws with this album. The national is something when I reviewed the National's newest album, I remember I said that, when you have something that different and that good, you pay attention to it because that's really special. And I still believe that, and I've warmed up to that album more. But with the Tours, it's something different. It's more like when I reviewed Earth Tones and I said that there's nothing here you really haven't heard before, but that's not a bad thing because this is just the best version of all that stuff you heard before. Really, Help a Stranger and Earth Tones are two excellent bedfellows yeah like the two of them go together like peanut butter and jelly really like i mean make no mistake raconteurs is far more rock and roll Mm -hmm. than bahamas is but they both have this completely and i know this gets this word gets thrown around a lot but an exquisitely timeless feeling to them yeah and you go like this album will sound as good as it does now in 20 years yeah. It will not have aged. It will still have the same classic sapia-tinged appeal that it has to me right now. And there's something that really endears me to something that you've heard before, extremely well done. Yeah. I've said that. I know I've gone on multiple rants on this podcast about how I think that forced 
freshness or whatever you want to call it is overrated and sometimes like it's a bit of a sin sometimes give me what i already got only better yeah and that's exactly what this album is and i'll also throw in there just as we wrap up this is going to be a short episode and i'm well all that's because that. we're only reviewing one thing we used but to that's what we all do always do and normally our episodes are like 20 minutes longer than this no like yes we, we reviewed two things in an episode until like four episodes ago yeah normally they're an hour long now oh okay. anyway uh Bands with two lead singers normally bother the snot out of me. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. That's one of the reasons I don't like the Beatles. It just seems to lack focus. Like, the album seems to just shift, and it takes on a completely different persona when, you know, a, the other guy takes over the mic. This album doesn't bother me even slightly. I don't slightly. even really notice it. Doesn't even bother me. You don't notice it, really. But Brendan Benson sounds so completely different from Jack White. Like, nobody else in the biz has Jack White's, like, yelping, yowling kind of style. Mm -hmm. Brendan Benson's voice is incredibly smooth. And Jack's is the opposite of that. And I, I just, you know, I don't know if it's luck or happenstance or design that they picked those two frontmen. But excellent, excellent. Wait, we should job. review a Dead Weather album soon. That could be fun. Yeah, it could be fun. I feel Love Every Million Miles is an absolutely phenomenal song. But anyways, I think that's about it. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, have you listened to this album? Have you? Are you sure? I have. Okay, good. Uh, if you have, like Jason has, shoot us a Facebook message on our page. You can find us at The Good Ship Brothership, or you can shoot us a message on Instagram, or uh, you can email us at uh, thegoodshipbrothership at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, if you do, you'll become like the second person to have ever emailed us. So that'll, that's something you can put on our resume. We, set up an e we have like uh, one person who listens, and we have like more we have more ways to reach us than we do listeners we just want to make it easy man yeah. like truly it would oh, are we gonna do the playlist competition thing because we should announce that let's do it what was it okay i can't remember so here's my idea just go with it here's my okay grant and i are holding a contest okay <laughs> I, I guess yes we're going on an east coast road trip for two weeks oh last yes. two weeks of august so you have a little bit around a month now the person who can design craft make the best road forge. trip forge design <laughs> engineer the best road trip playlist for us that is under should be under half an hour or under an hour half an hour yeah so the best person who can we're gonna get so many submissions the person who can make the best road trip playlist that's half an hour or less will receive a souvenir that we will hand pick on our trip we will either deliver it to you in person or send it to you by mail yep anywhere in the world and we can, I don't know, sign it or something if yes. you want. I don't know. Yeah. I don't so know whoever, why you'd want us to do who, that. But. We'll announce this on social media, too. Whoever can make the best sub-30-minute road trip playlist, we will handpick you a souvenir from the east coast of Canada and deliver it to you or mail it to you. And I'd like to encourage people who are going to do this, too. Don't just pick artists you know we like. No. Come on. Engineer something. And if I hear... Uh, if there's not at least two songs I've never heard before on there... I'll probably just skip it. And if Old Town Road is on there, I'm going to actually come to your house and kill you. Sweet Home Alabama, I like that song. That's a good, put that on the but list. But if you put Old Town Road on that on that playlist, I will kill you. 
<laughs> I'll straight up murder you in your sleep. I'm going to chloroform you and I'm going to throw you into a sewer. We're going to send you a glitter bomb in the mail. Or something far worse like anthrax. <laughs> okay. Congratulations, you got anthrax. <laughs> you win. <laughs> you put. You made 30 minutes of Old Town Road and you got anthrax. Okay, I think that's from Newfoundland. <laughs> yes. We're not even going to Newfoundland. Whatever. We're calling it the Good Trip Brother Trip, by the way, which I really uh, quite yeah, like. You're calling it that. I like that. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, thank you so much for listening, if indeed you are. And if you're not, enjoy, enjoy if your If you're listening to this right now, send, send us the words six seedless sapiens. Six seedless sapiens. Yeah. Send that to us on any of our social media channels or mail it to us. But you don't get anything for that. No, yeah, you're not going to get anything. Except we'll be very excited that somebody listened. Okay, that's pretty much all we have to say. Uh, we really hope you dug the rack on tours. Again, if you did listen, please get in touch. And thank you very, very much for listening. It makes what we're doing somewhat worthwhile. I'm just kidding. It makes it completely worthwhile. We like doing it. It would be worthwhile even if no one listened. Yep, and that's what it is. Okay, peace out. <laughs>